join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami. There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. Today, we go out there and we up. Bring your gas cans, bring your matches, bring your lighter It's Rog back with another episode of the Women's Game presented by Paramount Plus. And joining me today, Two of the great pillars of the National Women's Soccer League. Two poet warriors who have long revered. First up, from your champion Washington spirit, a woman nicknamed Sunny at Stanford because she was such a joy to be around. One of the most versatile, dominant midfielders in the NWSL, guiding a club to heights previously only dreamed about. Oh, it's a joy to welcome Andy Sullivan. You're too kind, Raj. Thanks for the intro. It's a joy to be with you. And from your Portland Thorns, a defender whose passion knows no bounds. She's essentially a human hand grenade, creating more chances than almost anyone in the league. The Yinza queen of the pre-game hype speech. It's Megan Klingenberg. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to need you to do my intros for the rest of my entire life. Put human hand grenade on the resume. That's a first. Am I the hype person's hype person, Megan? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, absolutely. When I sit with two human beings who have such natural leadership abilities and could, if they had chosen, run small nation states, I do want to learn from you both about how you've developed your idiosyncratic styles of leadership. I don't think that my leadership journey has necessarily been this linear line of going forward and getting better a little bit at a time. That's just hasn't been it for me. I've up a lot in incredibly bad ways where I've made my teammates feel crap or made my, you know, made the environment not as fun to be around. And in high school and before, I always felt a little bit like cooped up, like I wasn't able to be my full self because when I was my full self, people really didn't like me. I was incredibly competitive. I wanted to win no matter what. I would like unleash a tirade of swear words on the field at people, at the ref. Like it was a little bit of a terror to be honest, but 
When I got to UNC, the coach Anson Dorrance and the coaching staff and the gals on the team made me feel like that is exactly who you should be. I felt this incredible liberation and I loved that and I embraced that and I went for it. But it doesn't really work that well in other environments besides UNC, I have to be honest. (laughs) So I had to adapt. And the adapting part was a bit difficult and that happened on the national team that happened throughout the league, that happened abroad. And so I had to kind of figure out a leadership style that not only worked for me, but worked for other people. Because if you're leading, it's not just about yourself. It's about making sure that your teammates and everybody feels comfortable enough that they can be themselves so they can absolutely kick ass and have fun. Those were huge learning opportunities for me. And I had to kind of find my way and figure out what I'm really good at and then just lean into that. And so I'm not the type of leader that is going to talk with a coach a lot and give them the idea of what's going on with the team and back channel and things like that. That's not me. I really love connecting with my teammates. So I love to spread joy. That's incredibly important. I know that if I'm myself at practice, then I'm able to ensure that everybody's having a blast. And when people are having a blast, then they play their best. And when we play their best, then we win games. You know, just remind my teammates how great they are before we take the field together. Every time people ask me about being a leader, I always think, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And the more I'm asked to do it, the more I realize how much there is to learn about leadership because it's flexible. There's not one way to do it. It's like Kling said, like finding your strengths and leading into that. And I think both Kling and my strength is finding our teammates' strengths and brightening those. But it's extremely difficult to be a leader. And I think sometimes there's this archetype of a leader that they're this perfect human being, and that's just not the case. So I love that Kling started off with how many times she's messed up. Um, because I, I always feel silly, you know, talking about leadership from a young age, I was always like picked as a captain or as a leader on my teams. And I think that came from a place of just like how much I cared and how badly I wanted it. It was about me and about how I wanted to be and how I wanted to be better. And that at first my leadership style was like trying to get people to act like me And that's the opposite of what you want. Like, you don't want that. You want everyone to bring their own flair, their own personality. Like, I learned that a lot more, like, through college. And I learned a lot more about listening and how to, like, have difficult conversations and really, like, understand where people are coming from. So now my favorite part of being a leader is, like, when someone comes to me with a problem and they want my advice or they want my perspective rather than, like oh, there's, you know, 26 Andes running around in sanity on the field. Although that would probably be a pretty kick-ass team. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, if there were 26 Andes on the team, why even bother holding a World Cup? Just give it to the United States now. But Kling, watching you in the huddle ahead of big games, that is your signature, that hype speech. And it feels like we've been watching an artist hone their craft in real time. For anyone who's not had the benefit of hearing one, let's take a listen. There's nothing more powerful than living your truth unapologetically and emphatically. So today, we go out there and we up. Bring your Damn, you said that before a game? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I wax a little bit poetic. <laughs> My teammates simultaneously love and appreciate it while also giving me the space to be me. It's a give and take. I'm giving, but they're also giving to me as well. And I really enjoy doing it. It's a blast. Gotta be honest, when I'm down, I sometimes listen to your pregame speeches on Twitter for a pick-me-up. The task at hand is the relentless pursuit of greatness. We don't feel the pressure, we apply it. (laughs) I've always wondered, how does it feel in the moment? Are you in control just dropping rhymes that you practiced in the mirror before the game? Or are you just speaking in tongues and letting it all go? As much as I would like everyone to think that I'm like this prodigy that can just speak off the cuff like that, sorry, I can't. So it takes a bit of preparation and I love to read and I read just for my own pleasure and benefit every week. If I find something that I really like in a book, I'll just make a little note on it. You know what I've been doing? I've been watching all the Marvel movies in order and I really, really, really love Guardians of the Galaxy ones. I love the music. And I love like the crew. It reminds me of my team. So I feel like those two things put together, the music and the crew, I was like, oh, I'm feeling this. I would write that down and then incorporate that. Not the Guardians of the Galaxy was mentioned one time (laughs) in the pregame huddle, but you know, something did come from that. And so that's what I do with movies and books and things like that. And then at the end of the week, I have all these little notes and themes of what's going on in my life, in my books, in movies, in practice, from teammates, from coaches, and just kind of craft them together, something to remind my players just how great they are. Sophia Smith knows she's Gamora when you're making that speech. She knows. But Andy, (laughs) you you talk about how this was thrust upon you at a very young age. And I remember way back in 2014, when you captained the under 20 national team through World Cup qualifying, even though you were the youngest player on the roster. I mean, it's fascinating to have been shaped from the very beginning as a leader. Do you feel like it's impacted your football at all, leading by example while still learning and developing yourself? Yeah, well, I'm questioning all my skills as a leader right now after Kling just described her process of like how she's taking (laughs) art in all forms and applying it to a pregame speech. But what I've done from a young age, which I think is why people gave me the armband in the first place, is that I like established connections with every player and just simple things as like greeting people when we arrive to the field at the same time and asking people how they're doing and like what's going on with them. My sister was a part of a team when she was in middle school and she was kind of taken on this really top level team and was taken on the team as more of like a project player. So she like didn't play a lot, was not like highly rated. And I saw how her teammates treated her which was not very well and I would go train with her team and I saw how that like stressed her and made her feel and I think that really shaped my experiences a lot because I was like I no matter how good or bad I am like I don't want to feel that way I don't want any of my teammates to feel that way so I think just making everyone feel welcome was something that like stuck with me from a young age and something that I try to continue to do now fascinating through line of this NWSL season has been the transformation of leadership across the board. 
the profusion of new coaches in new positions. Something that we talked about with Midge Purse and Becky Sauerbroom when we were previewing the season. It's only a small handful of teams not starting from square one in terms of management. Does that place more responsibility, do you think, on veteran players, on the real team leaders to create a sense of continuity for those teams in transition? It's a small league, but there's a lot to it and there's a lot to know. And so I think that bridging that gap between your coaches and your players and figuring out what's the way forward. And there's always something wild going on in the NWSL. So that's so true. That is a big (laughs) role of the leader on the team is to or the leaders on the team is to share their experiences maybe with the coach or their perspective, but also share stories, like Kling said, with their teammates about in the past, this is what happened and this is how we responded to it. And this is what worked and this is what didn't. With what we've seen with like our CBA and obviously all the awfulness of last year is that we need to speak up about things and tell each other about what's going on. And that way we can come together and and make positive change. When there's new coaches in the league, it makes it really difficult for a lot of reasons. The NWSL is unlike any other league in the entire world with trades, with drafts, with discovery lists, with, you know, just like, <laughs> I still don't, I still don't know I what still those are. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. Um, but when it really comes down to it, I think what players have to remember is that this is our life, our season, our team. And as much as we need to respect our coaches and put in the work that they ask us to put in, that's really important. I think it's also incredibly important for us to remember that it's not about anyone but ourselves. And so when it comes down to it, we need to take control of of what we want our season to look like, what we want it to feel like. We got to take control and take the reins when we can. Andy, you're experiencing that from the inside, the change of leadership almost in every level. You've played your entire career so far with your hometown Washington spirit. You've really developed your career along with the club in a way. You grew up just outside of DC. It's really your hometown team and a team that's come so far in the past couple of years, now reigning NWSL champions. Some of them host scintillating young talents in the game. Players like Trinity Rodman, Ashley Sanchez. Finally, a new owner in Michelle Kang. And you have seen joy but there's also been a real darkness. Can you describe how these massive changes feel on the inside of that locker room after that cycle of change? Yeah, I could write a book about the cycle of change that has gone on. Honestly, Andy, at some time, at some point, you're going to have to tell me the whole story of how Michelle Kang bossed her way into there. Boss is the perfect verb. I need to know the story and it can't, it cannot be silent any longer. So after, after this, we'll chat. Yeah, it's, it's incredible now that Michelle is fully at the hem. Um, and she's an incredible leader and is gonna get done. This is the first year where I felt like a true professional. And that's sad, but also hopeful because now we can, you know, build from that. We are not a charity case. Like we are a startup. We are this big investment and it's, we're taking off and we need someone who can deliver and follow through and envision that and not just envision it, but make it happen. And so I'm very excited about Michelle taking over and everything being settled from that. The final question on this theme, this theme of leadership to the both of you, is leadership natural? 
or is it learned? And if it is the latter, it's the one quality that our listeners can work on so that they can follow in your path. What would that be? Oh, wow. We're going deep. Yeah, we're going deep. Nature, nurture, baby. It's a bit of both, isn't it? Certain people, probably Andy, are born with a bit more natural leadership talent than, say, Megan Klingenberg. <laughs> but absolutely, it's mostly learned. And one of the most amazing things about sport is that it creates an environment where leadership is not only expected, but it can be cultivated and learned. And I've been blessed with my career. I'm, I'm incredibly grateful because I haven't had to work in an office yet. And hopefully never, actually. But I can't imagine that within an office, there are many opportunities for leadership to be so in your face. And it can get heated. And it can be so timely because there's not time when you're in the middle of a pitch to be like, oh, Raj, such a good idea. That was an amazing try. I'm so glad that you tried that. I would love you for you to keep trying that. But, you know, we need you to do this a little bit differently. Let me explain why so you can feel really positive about this change that I'm about to tell you about. Like, that's lovely, right? But when it comes down to it, I just need to tell Becky Sauerbrunn to move left. Move your ass left. And if you don't move left, we're going to get scored on. So it's a really interesting place to learn about leadership because you're under this pressure and this fire where you can get scored on it, you know, at any time. And so it's like, sometimes you go into this crisis mode of trying to communicate as best you can, as fast as you can, where you can get exactly what you need out of that person, exactly what that person is good at, right? And so that's a really interesting place to learn about leadership. I'm with you, Kling, that I'm such a growth mindset person that I do believe anyone can lead. And from a young age, it was like looking around who's going to just step up and start saying stuff. And I think that it's funny because I, I hear like natural and it's like, what does that mean? And I do think I learned a lot from my parents. My mom was my first coach and was so much focused on just what it meant to be a good teammate. And so I feel like I learned a lot from them from a young age, but then it was just trial and error. Everything is trial and error. Team nurture. We need your mum to coach Everton next season. Andy <laughs> I second that, actually. She she sounds awesome if she's all about being the best teammate. I mean, come on. I'll call her up, see what she's up to. Paramount Plus is your choice for championship soccer. A messy Streaming the best teams and biggest stars in America and around the world. Giant stars, huge action. From UEFA Champions League and Syria. Weston McKinney! NWSL and the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. A milestone moment for the United States! Plus the best action from South America and Asia. Oh my, what a goal! So how do you choose from so many champions? You don't have to. This is the best of CBS Sports. Streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And men and Blazers, we like to believe more is more when it comes to football, unless Everton are playing, in which case, oh, less is always more. But one thing you can do to enhance even the Everton watching experience is to visit the GFOPs at Prize Picks. They're America's number one fantasy sports app. Test your skills on Prize Picks this season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into 250 with just a few taps. 
tappity taps, mostly just picking what categories you want Everton players to disappoint you in and smashing the less. thing I love about Prize Picks is, is how simple it is to use. They're now offering Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this soccer season. No more ferreting around in your wallet for that security code on your credit card that the computer never saves. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's promo code MIB. Price picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. To the football, so much NWSL drama this past weekend, starting Friday night with Orlando Pride, who DDS two-goal stoppage time comeback. I'm sorry to bring this up. Against your Washington spirit, Andy. Two goals in the final three minutes to pull a draw out of the jaws of defeat. And I remember seeing a statistic, I think, for the Premier League a couple of years ago. I, I vaguely remember like something like 6% of all league goals were scored during stoppage time. I'm fascinated. What's it like to experience as a player? Can you articulate what it is about those final minutes, the clock winding down, back up against the wall, that can suddenly spur teams to heights they've not seen capable of for the previous 90? Is it like the adrenaline, the sense of having nothing to lose? That one was a a frustrating one. The thing about this league is it's not like over until it's over and anyone can win on any given day. And if you don't prepare or if you don't stay tuned in to every second, you're going to get punished. The psychological perspective of what you're saying is like, where does this burst come from? I don't really know where that comes from, but I do know that when you're on the field, you can like feel it. You can feel like, oh, we have this like belief and it's tangible and it spreads. And that's why you can't let up you can't let up the gas because if a team starts feeling that like something is going to happen yeah and on the other side of it you could be you know the team that's up two zero at half and then like you're running around you get a little winded i don't know if you do this andy i get a little winded i look at the clock and it's the 47th minute and you're like <laughs> <laughs> that usually happens to me around minute 15 yeah. i look up and i'm like what? yeah you're 15 like, minutes? you're joking. Oh my gosh. How am I going to make it through the rest of this match? So I think it's a little bit of both things, right? The team, you know, starts to gain a little bit of hope and a little bit of hope goes a really long way. If you're still in it in stoppage time, you have the ball, you have a little bit of hope. I mean, this is why we love this game, right? You're suddenly going against this team that have been crushing you this entire game. But like, what do you have to lose? Let's go. We have a little bit of hope and see what happens. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love soccer so much. You know, we just get like this tiny little bit of hope and then we feel like we can do anything. We're like Wonder Woman over here, you know? What does it feel like as a player when you concede in that last second, when you had a victory within touching distance and then it slips away? Does it feel in a way worse than a loss? Yes. <laughs> that was so fast. Would you like to expand on that or just? That was definitely the most frustrated I had seen some of my teammates in a while. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing that we're frustrated and that that's not acceptable. As that means we're all on the same page and that means it's not going to happen again. You sit with the frustration and like the heartbreak. And I mean, not only we were, I thought we were going to win. Like I thought we were going to get a shutout. We're in the 90 plus like that. And that's just goes to show you what Kling said. It's like you have a little bit of hope and things can change. The other big storyline of the weekend, this is one in which both our expansion teams hit a speed bump. Angel City and San Diego, who've made such magical starts to league existence, were both bested 
Results that didn't actually change things at the top of the table. They remain one and two respectively, but it did feel like the cosmic NWSL universe was writing itself just a little bit after the blockbuster opening month both of those teams, particularly San Diego, have had the OL Reign backline propelled by the magical Alana Cook effectively smothered league leading scorer Alex Morgan. And the 1-0 victory, which is actually not as close as it sounds, was won by the remarkable Rose Lavelle, a second of the season. So good to watch her back getting regular club games again under her belt. But perhaps the biggest revelation of that game came at halftime with the rain announcing the return of Arsenal legend and Scotland international Kim Little on loan from Arsenal. Many of you will remember Little, who played with the rain from 2014 to 2016, blasting 32 goals in 63 games. There's a contingent of fans who still believe her to be the greatest NWSL player of all time. Kling, you would have played against Kim when she was at the rain back in the day. Can you give us a taste for those who did not see Kim Little at the rain 1.0 of what we should expect? That Kim Little was on a different level and... I think it was Kim Little, Jess Fishlock, and Keelan Winters in the center of their midfield. And I don't think that you've ever seen the type of football that the rain played consistently every single game in this league since then. And they were the type of football team that would just, you know, keep it on the ground, have possession more than 60% of the game. Like they were the original Barcelona, if you will, of women's football. Kim Little was the centerpiece of that. Not only would she run the midfield and boss it physically, tactically, technically, but also she she would score. I mean, she would cruise around and get assists and goals, and it was insane, and buckets. So it's, it's really fun to have her back. It's pretty annoying that she's going to Seattle or Tacoma or whatever the hell they're called. But it is fun. I love playing against players like, you know, Andy, like Kim, like Jess Fishlock. It makes the game so much more fun. And I never see any other team as gaining reinforcements as like something that's bad for my team. I see it as something that's really good for the league. I hope more European players, you know, decide to come back and and participate because I love the leagues around the world. I think they're amazing, but this is by far the hardest league in the world. You can play the last place team, last place with air quotes, and it's a one nothing game. That doesn't happen any in any other league. You have to bring it every single match or you could drop points. Also on Sunday, we had the first edition of a budding East Coast-West Coast rivalry, Angel City, taking on Gotham at home before a delirious crowd of 18,000-plus. And Gotham eked out a 1-0 victory, a victory the mighty Midge Purse spoke into existence on this very podcast, thanks in large part to a diving Ashlyn Harris double stop off a Kristen Press drive in the 80th minute. Ashlyn Harris hitting 500 regular season saves in the NWS from that one and reminding critics that her on-field game is as good as her hat game at all times. (laughs) The match ended slightly contentiously. Gotham coach Scott Parkinson, Angel City coach Freya Combe and the entire Angel City bench being yellow-carded during the second half cautions which have been read as part of the ongoing frustration brewing between coaches and the quality of refereeing in the league right now. Some of your coach, Andy, Chris Ward, has been pretty bloody vocal about of late. And I'm wondering how much of that frustration trickles down to you as players or are the coaches really just voicing the frustrations of their players? 
I think both players and coaches are frustrated with the referee situation. However, I take like a very different perspective than my coach so much that it like frustrates me sometimes. To me, a referee is a person and they are like a player in the game where they are not going to have a perfect game. It's impossible. They're going to miss something. They're going to call it the wrong way. They're going to not call something. They're going to call something that shouldn't be called. And we just talked about leadership and like treating people well. In what world does screaming and swearing and fighting with the referee, how is that going to help them get better? It's not. And so for me, like the contentiousness during the game and in the post-game media is like not the solution for me. When I'm speaking to the referee, I'm like very calm. I try to be friendly before and after. And other than that, I try to like be steady. And if there's a call that I'm concerned about, I'll say, what did you see there? Because I didn't see that. I think it gets a little bit different when you're concerned about player safety and the game is getting out of hand. But even then, yelling at the referee is not going to help your team. It's not going to help them protect your players or the players on the field. It's just going to put them in a state of stress and that it's going to affect their decision making. If you keep harping on them about previous calls, like they're not present into what's happening now. It's just like a player. When you make a mistake in a game, it's like, okay, you have to let it go and it's next play. I try to just like take that perspective into every game with every referee. And what I would be more curious to learn about is like, do they do film? Do they get reviewed? Do they get peer coached? How does that work? Because right now it just feels like this battle and it's like no one wins when we're fighting like that. Like how do we elevate them? How do we help them get better? And I think part of getting better is by having experience and screwing it up. It is unfortunate that like we as a professional league are being used as that experience for them to get better. If we're like the top tier, then we should get the top tier. But that's this is the reality of the situation. So how can we improve it? I need to be really mindful of what I say because I'm probably already on all the referees lists. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I actually come, come at it from like a very similar place as Andy. I actually don't think it's a refereeing issue. I think it's more of a league issue. The league needs to procure top tier referees for top tier games. Like this is the top tier league in the world. And so it just deserves top tier refereeing. And I actually don't get as frustrated, I think, as many people probably on the field. But as soon as it happens, I let it go. As soon as a match is over, I, I really let it go unless it's a player safety issue because honestly everybody's getting screwed like like it's just it's just yeah. the way that it is like there's not one person or one team or one coach that has favoritism in yeah. this league that's just not what's happening and i think we all need to remember that like it might be you one week and then the next week it's another team and then it's a different coach and probably it all evens out in the end and we all just need to remember that Last question from the weekend gone. We have to give out a quick shout out to Camp Macario, who for the second week in a row scored a goal, which handed Leon a trophy, this time a fine third minute finish against PSG to clinch the French league title for her and Lindsay Haran's Leon with one game in hand. And we talked about Cat a lot on last week's episode with Alana Cook and Tina Davidson, who've both been playing with and against her since they were teenagers. But Kling, Lindsay Horan, who was the heart of so many of your Thorns teams over the past five years, how do you see her ability develop with this move to Lyon? What will that add to her already well-rounded game? And how much do you miss her? Ugh, I miss her so much. 
but also I'm mad at her. So I'm struggling with that. (laughs) She knows we've already talked about it. I told her my feelings straight up. So I'm proud of her. I love her. I want the absolute best for her, but that doesn't mean that I don't want that all of those things to happen here in Portland with the thorns. (laughs) Lindsay by far is one of the best players in the world. And I don't say that lightly. And I actually think Lindsay is incredibly underrated. I don't think players or teammates or coaches or media or spectators understand just what kind of impact she has in the game. Yes, she can score and assist, but nobody runs more than Lindsay on the pitch. Every single game, her GPS is the highest. She tackles more. She's definitely on the ground more than any other player on the pitch. (laughs) And we make fun of her for that so much. She has, you know, the most header wins. She's She has the most box entries. Like, she does things that people don't even understand are important. And on top of that, that woman busts her ass on defense. She makes me better defender because she makes it predictable for me. And we work together. What I hope that she gets from Leon is, is the experience that she wants to get gets to play with players that are tactically and technically some of the best in the world, gets to play in Champions League, you know, which she did and and won and, and gets to celebrate that with her teammates. And it's a really amazing tournament in front of some, you know, amazing fans. I hope she enjoys all of that. And then she hurries her little butt home to the Thorns. So. <laughs> Paramount Plus is your choice for championship soccer. A messy Streaming the best teams and biggest stars in America and around the world. Giant stars, huge action. From UEFA Champions League and Syria. NWSL and the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. A milestone moment for the United States. Plus the best action from South America and Asia. Oh my, what a goal. So how do you choose from so many champions? You don't have to. This is the best of CBS Sports. Streaming on Paramount+. Plus. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. To the weekend ahead. On Friday, Houston Dash take on Orlando Pride, 8.30pm Eastern Time on Paramount+. Plus. And the Dash have quietly been going about their business so far this season. We're not talking that much about them on this podcast so far but they're sitting there in fourth with just one loss thus far and they're pretty fascinating team there's a feeling after they won that first challenge cup back in 2020 in the bubble that maybe they were coming up in the world but they haven't really built on that promise they've lost Christy Mewis this season a big blow Kling, Thorns obviously had that loss to Houston a couple of weeks ago can you describe their threat is this dash team a dark horse title challenger I think they're always a challenger. They are an incredibly hardworking team. They cover a lot of ground and they're actually very disciplined. They play to their strengths. And I think a lot of teams in this league try to be something that they're not, at least not yet. And so the Dash, they don't pretend. They know exactly who they are. They know exactly who they want to be. And they go about their business in the way that is like, we're just going to do exactly what we know we can do. And that's it. They have like a really tight 
uh, defending block that makes it really difficult to play through. And then once they do win it, they counterattack, one of the best counterattacks in the league. And the transition game is fast. They get in behind really quickly and then end up getting shots on frame or, or good shots. So they're not an easy team to play against. And you could feel like you're in complete control. You have the ball, you know, 80% of the time. You've had it in their half. And then all of a sudden they streak down the field and score. And they've had zero shots on goal and you're down 1-0. 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday night. Clings, Portland Thorns take on Angel City, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And Kling, the last time <laughs> you played Angel City, they pulled off what was seen then as a bit of an upset, knocked you out of the Challenge Cup. It's a, you know, a sense of revenge going to this game, or it's a Challenge Cup, its own thing, and you walk in here with a clean slate. Players say like these platitudes that they don't really mean. But when I say I really don't care about who we're playing, I really don't care about who we're playing at all. I'm at the point in my career where I just value every single game that I get to play in because you never know what's going to be your last game. And I like to take all of them with like this gratitude that I get to show up. I get to participate and have fun with my friends on the field. And I know that doesn't necessarily like hype everybody up for this game on Friday, but that's just the way that I go about it. I'm just here to have a good time. And I think as long as I am, you know, sticking true to like what my purpose is on the field, then eventually results will follow. And so I don't really worry about who we're playing or, or what happens in the past or in the future. I just try and stay right in my moment. I, I will say you didn't exactly <laughs> hype up the game, but I do believe in what you said. The secret to life may well be buried somewhere in there. So we are genuinely, <laughs> God, we don't care who we play. We don't take it for granted. It may be my last game. Let's go. On Saturday, though, We've got some true human wonder. At 3 p.m. Eastern time, the Red Stars play OL Reign for the first time this season, streaming on Twitch. For this pod, it's the Turner Davidson Alana Cook Friendship Derby. And at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Andy, your Washington spirit, travel to Red Bull Arena to take on Mighty Gotham. The game also streaming on Twitch. And Andy, seems like you guys really love playing Gotham. The game has so much adrenaline energy and vibes can you articulate how hard it is to neutralize the attacking threat of self-proclaimed bash brothers midge purse and iffy onomono up front for gotham well it's a lot harder now that they have christy mewis on their team as well just because she's so good that's usually who i'm dealing with she can hit passes to midge and iffy that spray them in behind when she's facing a way that you would not expect. So I think it's just very hard to defend her, her ability to play a final ball. And not only that is she can go on the dribble, she can slice and dice you. So here I am ready to take her on. <laughs> I'm hyping her up so much. Yeah. I gotta be ready. By the way, you did a much better job hyping your game than I did mine. So well done. Well done. <laughs> Different ways. I just feel ready to tune in for both. Rounding it up, 8 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, Savannah Dumelo's Racing Louisville against the Beaners North Carolina Courage on Double P, Paramount Plus. And 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, right after that, it's Kansas City Current coming off their first win of the season against Racing Louisville earlier this week, playing top at the table, San Diego Wave. And I genuinely cannot wait for this weekend's slate of games. Visit Paramount 
discountplus.com slash MIBTWG. That's MIBTWG to try one week of Paramount Plus free on us. But before we close out for the week, and I honestly could listen to the both of you talking about football and life and life and football and the Marvel Universe for a long bloody time. But I want to leave the last word to you both and ask you to close us out on that note of optimism that we need, that we crave, honestly need it more than ever. As I say every week, this is a bloody dark world. There is so much challenge all around us. And I'd love you to tell us something that's brought you joy this week in the football world or outside, something that's made you feel good, that can give us a sense of of positivity and that it's all going to be okay, even though it probably isn't. (laughs) Well, damn. You want to go first? (laughs) Sure, I'll go first. How do you follow up something like that, even though it probably isn't? I mean, (laughs) crotch, damn. Something that's been bringing me a lot of joy this week and for the last couple weeks is my girlfriend got me a record player and i was like why like why do i need a record player right just seems pretty old-timey i'm really into spotify whatever so she started explaining you know how a record player makes music and why it sounds so much better than spotify right i won't go into that but she sold me so I started collecting all of these records of my favorite bands. So like Fleetwood Mac, Haim, uh, Van Morrison, Eagles, Aretha Franklin, James Taylor. I'm kind of old school like that. So I was going through a record store just yesterday, actually. And I had like a, like a 2000s version of Fleetwood Mac rumors for my record player. But that's like the digitized version. That's not an original pressing. So I was like, I really want to find an original pressing. And I was at the record store this weekend. And the first record that I found when I was flipping through the records in the new arrivals was Fleetwood Mac Rumors original pressing from the 70s. And so I've been playing it yesterday and today pretty much nonstop. And it sounds incredible. And that's what's bringing me immense joy this week. I loved thinking about this question because I came up with so many different things that I could say and like things that I could be grateful for. Sunny. Yeah. (laughs) My grandfather is 94 and he still comes to my home games with my aunt. And I just feel like that's something I'm really trying to soak up while it's still happening. I grew up in the same neighborhood as my grandparents. He would drive me to things sometimes. I was the youngest of four, so we needed some help. It's harder for me to see them nowadays with COVID. So to see him and my aunt usually in the stands is such a like, special thing. Normally, like when I'm at a stadium and I'm playing and someone's calling my name or like trying to get my attention, I will like not really interact because I just want to like stay focused on performing, which is what they want to see anyway. But I like make the exception for like when I'm walking out, I know like where they could possibly be sitting. So I like glance to where they are and like I always give them a wave. Recently we had a game and I didn't know where they were. And I like I looked up into the stands and the first person I saw was my my family. So it reminds me of like why I love playing and also that there's also so much beyond playing. To Grandpa John and all the grandparents, I think I do. I'm someone that believes that the connection between grandparents and grandchildren is one of the most profound 
in terms of generational memory. And for me, a lot of my love of football is rooted similarly in my relationship with my grandfather. That is a beautiful, beautiful story. And what a way to wrap up the women's game for this week. We will be back next week. I'm not sure if we can top this, though. It has been genuinely a human joy, an incredible lift to be with you both. Andy Sullivan, Godspeed to you on Saturday. Thank you, Raj. This was very fun. Megan Klingenberg, Lord, even before this, I longed to come out to Portland and watch you in action, but now I want to come out and go crate digging for vinyl with it. Yes, that sounds like a blast. I found a really good place yesterday, so count us in. I'm there, and we will be back next Thursday. Until then, Godspeed, America. Courage. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far mm-hmm. in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I in, would, in the plumber 27 days? 27-year-old Shay would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.